by clinical trainees and for clinical trainees, this is Well-Rounded. Well-Rounded is your resource for all things healthcare business, policy, and current events. This episode is all about Medicare, its history, the current state of things, and proposals for change. Here to help Dan and Isabel learn the complex ins and outs of Medicare is Corey Metzman, COO and co-founder of Chapter, a tech-driven Medicare advisor working to improve how seniors choose health coverage. We hope you learn as much from this one as we did. Welcome to Well-Rounded. Hey, Isabel, how's it going? Hey, Dan, it's going good. Excited to be back at it. I know uh, we've been away for a while, but we're coming back with a bunch of great episodes on a lot of topics that are near and dear to us. And today on Well-Rounded, we have Mr. Metzman, who's an old friend of mine and who currently works for a Medicare brokerage company. Do you mind telling us a little bit about what you do? Yeah, Dan, Isabel, great to be with you guys. My name is Corey. I am one of the co-founders of an organization called Chapter. We're a new type of Medicare organization where we help people decide how and when to sign up for Medicare, commonly known as original Medicare. And then we also help them figure out how to fill the gaps and costs and services not covered by original Medicare. And we do it in a pretty different way. This market has historically suffered from confusion and lots of challenges. And in short, we want to fix it at least as much as any one organization can. So, Corey, I think for a lot of our listeners, they may be thinking to themselves, what are these gaps? And I think, you know, a lot of us get taught sort of Medicare is for people over 65, and that's where our knowledge stops. So what is Medicare? Medicare is the federal health insurance program. One way to think about Medicare is that it's the single largest insurance, not company, but payer in the country. It pays more claims by volume and by value than any other system. And so it also has the most bargaining power. It sets rates um, through an advisory and deliberative process. But Medicare, as the federal health insurance program for people 65 and older, also provides coverage for people with certain disabilities and eligibility criteria, as well as for people with things like end-stage renal disease and Lou Gehrig's disease. For brief historical context, Medicare was actually passed as part of the amendments to the Social Security Act signed by President Johnson in Independence, Missouri in 1965, um, and Harry and Bess Truman were the first two members of Medicare. And I think one thing that's often perhaps not fully appreciated is that almost from the start, Medicare wasn't only a way to improve coverage, but also contributed towards other equity goals. So in 1966, a requirement was imposed on healthcare providers that if they wanted to successfully accept reimbursement from Medicare, they had to desegregate their clinical settings. And that was the single biggest catalyst in desegregating waiting rooms, hospitals, and private physician practices as well. Um, And the history has evolved from there. Unfortunately, from the start and even to today, Medicare isn't perfect. So as you said, Isabel, there are gaps. And there are two types of gaps that exist in Medicare. First, there are gaps in costs. And so there's a set of services that Medicare covers. And on average, Medicare only pays for up to 80% 
of the cost of those services. So for someone just on what's known as original Medicare, what has evolved from 65 to today, only 80 cents of every dollar in approved expenditures will be covered by Uncle Sam, and the rest is the responsibility of the patient or the member or the beneficiary, all the same thing. Um, and then second, there are gaps in the types of services that Original Medicare covers. Um, and this has recently been a topic of discussion in DC. Original Medicare does not cover services like prescription drug coverage. There's a separate type of Medicare that does that. And it also doesn't cover services like routine dental, vision, and hearing services either. And so those are the most common gaps that people typically want to start addressing either in costs or in the scope of services. Um, and that's what we help them out with. I had no idea about that historical context for Medicare, uh, especially that, that it was a catalyst for, for desegregation. You had mentioned that you work specifically in original Medicare. So I take it that there are different types of Medicare. And if there are, what are those types? Yeah, so there are four types of Medicare, and they are very creatively named after letters of the alphabet. Part C is hospital insurance. Um, and the easiest way to think of Part A is it's insurance that Medicare provides when you're under the hospital's roof and eating its jello. Um, and that's, you know, the, the, the layman's understanding, you know, those of us in the healthcare space will know, you know, it's subject to inpatient hospitalization or the two midnight rule, but that's what hospital insurance is. And this is typically prepaid through Medicare payroll taxes that people pay when they're employed and they're withheld from their paycheck. That is the only type of original Medicare that is prepaid. It's, it's Part A, it's hospital insurance. Number two is part B, that's medical insurance. So that's when you go to a doctor's office for an outpatient procedure. It also covers diagnostic testing, certain types of prescriptions that are administered in a clinical setting, and things of that nature. That's also a part of original Medicare, but it is not prepaid. And this often comes as a surprise to seniors when they become eligible for Medicare because they have to pay a monthly premium to Uncle Sam every month to access their outpatient part B coverage. Um, and that premium actually varies by income as well. And that's typically a big surprise. The third major component is actually not Part C. Let's come back to that in a second. It's Part D, prescription drug coverage, which was created in 2006 to fill the gap in the fact that up to that point, Medicare didn't cover prescription drugs. And Part D coverage is actually administered by private insurance companies that construct a formulary, which is a list of approved drugs and a network of pharmacies. Um, and people can sign up for those plans when they become eligible for Medicare or change them every year to help defray the costs of their prescription coverage. And that is funded partly by premiums that the beneficiary pays. It's also partly funded by Uncle Sam via reinsurance. And then high earners have to pay an additional premium surcharge as well. The last type of Medicare, um, or I should say the last part is Part C, it's known now as Medicare Advantage, which officially originated in 1997. But this was an effort on the part of Uncle Sam to create the opportunity for Americans to receive their Medicare benefits through private insurance companies, through an individual plan or through an employer plan as well. So just to briefly review the different parts of Medicare, Part A is insurance for care in the hospital. Part B is insurance for care in the clinic. Part D is for drug coverage, easy to remember, D for drugs. And Part C covers Medicare Advantage, which is insurance through private companies. Um, this is awesome. I'm, I'm learning so much uh, right now, you know, and I, I take care of patients who have, you know, all these different forms of insurance. Um, to, to change the topic a little bit, personally speaking, I have a relative who just turned 65 
And I watched this relative just get bombarded with ads, mailers, commercials on TV, emails, trying to get this person to enroll in a Medicare plan. Um, This process seems really daunting. How do you help people navigate this? How do you cut through all of the noise and help people find the right plan? It's a great question. I think the first and most important thing to recognize is that the first objective is not to find a plan. The first objective is to decide how and when you want to sign up for original Medicare. And the reason people get bombarded with mailers when they turn 65 is because Medicare Advantage plans typically are the ones who are sending those because they want to get you to sign up. A prerequisite to be on Medicare Advantage or to get any Medicare benefits is to sign up for original Medicare, which again has those two parts, part A and part B. So let's talk about how someone can decide how and when to sign up for part A and part B. And then we can talk about, you know, how people may want to choose specific coverage if that's okay. Most people have up to three enrollment windows to sign up for original Medicare. The first is the seven-month period around their 65th birthday Mm -hmm. that starts three months before the month in which they turn 65 and ends three months after they turn 65. This is known as their initial enrollment period. And many people who don't otherwise have coverage through an employer or a union or a large group will take advantage of that period to sign up for Part A and Part B. However, some people will choose to work after the age of 65 and will have coverage from large group employer or union coverage. And in those circumstances, people can take advantage of the second enrollment period, which is known as the large group special enrollment period, which basically allows someone to sign up for original Medicare whenever they either lose their large group work coverage or when they retire and they decide to lose it. The third period is for people who miss both their initial enrollment period and their special enrollment period. (laughs) Um, It is benignly but confusingly named the general enrollment period. And that occurs once a year, not based on your birthday or your date of retirement, but occurs between January and March of every year. And that's where if someone misses one of the earlier two periods, um, they can sign up for original Medicare. Now, that's just signing up for original Medicare. So that's just part A and part B. Um, When you sign up for part A and part B, you do have the opportunity to choose a Medicare Advantage plan if you want one. You also have the opportunity to sign up for a Medicare Supplement plan if you want one, as well as a standalone prescription drug plan, um, which people who sign up for Medicare Supplement plans will typically consider. Um, And people typically see advertisements for Medicare Advantage plans during two periods. One, when they turn 65, they get bombarded with mail because marketers essentially buy lists of people who are turning 65 and send those mails out. Um, And it's very hard to navigate, you know, is this from an insurance carrier? Is it from a broker? Um, Many of these mailers look like they may be from a government agency. They'll have an eagle or an American flag on it, or they will say official notice. (laughs) And you'll read the fine print and it'll say, this is from a health insurance agency, you know, XYZ agency or whatever. Um, And that's confusing. And that's really, really unfortunate. The second time when people can choose to sign up for a Medicare Advantage plan or a Part D prescription drug plan, um, if they don't go the Medicare Advantage route, is every year during the annual enrollment period, which is from the middle of October to early December every year, when people can sign up for plans, make changes to those plans um, for the following calendar year. And that is why typically when people turn on the television and they go home for Thanksgiving, they see a bunch of ads for holidays um, and for you know consumer electronics and consumer gifts, and they see a bunch of Medicare ads. Uh, happy Medicare annual enrollment period, everybody. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the holiday we never thought we needed. <laughs> so, so I, I guess now this all makes sense, kind of that, that we're in this special period while we're seeing all these ads. What's, what's it actually like for somebody to enroll? 
the impression I have from, from, from speaking with you previously is that you, you have to talk to an advisor or a broker to connect the dots for you and, and, and really get you signed up. Yeah, it's not necessary, but it is recommended to get some type of external support. And first, just the number of options. So the Medicare Advantage plans are offered on the county level because they each have a separate network of doctors and healthcare providers and and healthcare is local. And so there's actually more than 20,000 permutations of Medicare plans across Medicare Advantage, Medicare supplements and Part D plans across the country. Um, So it is hard to search for them all. And not all of them are available on Medicare.gov. Um, and those that are available, for instance, you can't always search or you can actually never search, um, at least at present, and see, you know, is my doctor in network with this plan or that plan? And that becomes very, very complicated because when you choose a Medicare plan or, uh, or I should say a Medicare Advantage plan, you want to make sure your doctors are covered, you have your prescription drugs covered at the most affordable rates, and access to other benefits that may be important to you, whether dental, vision, hearing, Similarly, for people who go the original Medicare route, you know, they should understand, you know, what cost they'll be responsible for. Some of them will choose to buy a Medicare supplement to help uh, plug the gap in those costs. But those plans are also very difficult to search across. And, you know, that information um, has has really never been aggregated before. Um, And I think the reason why it's challenging is the Medicare brokerage industry suffers from the same problem as every insurance brokerage industry in this country. And we call that Henry Ford syndrome. And Henry Ford said, you know, choose any vehicle color you want, as long as it's black. Every insurance broker you've ever met, whether they're selling life insurance or health insurance, or they're a website selling insurance, basically has, you know, their pitch is choose any plan you want. Um, But then you ask questions or you read the fine print and it's really choose any plan you want, as long as it's from an insurance carrier that pays me commissions and preferably one that pays me more. And that's why it becomes challenging, because if you're not educated sufficiently as a consumer, you may get recommendations from the subset of plans that the website or the broker happens to work with rather than the full set that you want. And then when you go to Medicare.gov, which is supposed to have the best set of resources, they don't have all Medicare supplement plans, for instance. They do have all Medicare Advantage plans, but you can't search and say, you know, I want to make sure that Dan and Isabel are in network so that I can see them. Um, That network mapping just does not exist there. And so it's an incredibly complicated, frustrating process um, in a way that it really, really shouldn't be. But when you sort of layer on the path dependence of, all of the regulatory evolution since 65, it is understandable that it's unfortunately still as as confusing as it is today. Wow. I, when we thought insurance couldn't get more complicated. So, Corey, you were just saying that, you know, of course, patients who wanted to continue to see Dan and I would be trying to figure out what their Medicare covers. And so from what you're saying, you know, Medicare doesn't cover everything that our patients need. For example, you know, dental care can be a problem, hearing aids. Um, So how do people fill the gaps of coverage for things that aren't covered? Yeah, so this is the, I don't know if Faustian bargain is, or sort of trade-off almost is, is the right way to think about it. But the way to maximize network flexibility and see any doctor who accepts original Medicare is to stay on original Medicare, unfortunately. Um, And most hospitals are are essentially almost every hospital and most physicians practicing primarily at those hospitals accept original Medicare. The challenge you said, Isabel, is that if you're on original Medicare, even if you're on a Medicare supplement, you're not going to get insurance coverage for dental, vision, hearing, prescription drug coverage, or things like long-term care services, at least for custodial care. And so in those circumstances, um, people pay out of pocket. And that is unfortunate 
for things like dental care, which can be very expensive. Hearing aids can be thousands of dollars per year. Um, and so people essentially self-insure in those circumstances. Um, the reason why it's somewhat of a Faustian trade-off is because the other option is to choose a Medicare Advantage plan. And Medicare Advantage plans will include coverage for things like dental, vision, hearing, over-the-counter benefits, transportation, meals, chiropractic care, acupuncture, you know, depending on the plan and the location, any variety of those things. Um, and by law, Medicare Advantage plans have to provide the same scope of services as Part A and Part B. But there's, there's a rub, and the rub is that these plans create a network of healthcare providers and physicians that people have to see to get the most affordable rate. And those are the trade-offs for how people think about doing that. Now, there are some exceptions, right? You know, you can buy a standalone vision or dental plan um, or a hearing plan, um, but that really buys you peace of mind because the, the, the profit margins that the insurance carriers have is actually much higher on those standalone plans than it is on even the Medicare Advantage plan, which, which is regulated by law as part of the Affordable Care Act. There's a provision that regulates sort of the maximum profit margin there in a way that standalone plans for dental, vision, and hearing are not regulated. Um, people can get coverage for prescription drugs, again, through the Part D benefit, either on a standalone basis if they're on original Medicare or through their Medicare Advantage plan if they're on a Medicare Advantage plan because the majority of Medicare Advantage options bundle in that Part D drug benefit. Um, and then the real big challenge that remains is long-term care or custodial care. So support with activities of daily living, clothing, dressing, cooking, and so forth. Um, and that's not covered by original Medicare at all. Um, and so people can buy standalone long-term care policies, but unfortunately, the older you get, the more expensive it becomes or the harder to get those. And so that that's a totally separate market. It's actually not health insurance, strictly speaking at all. And is a gap that, at least to my knowledge, hasn't even been proposed to be um, addressed just because the types of services are, are, are very different than the clinical services you'd receive in an acute care facility or even in a specialized outpatient facility. I didn't know any of that. <laughs> uh, I take it that you keep up with all of the different Medicare proposals. It's, you know, it's your business. Um, and we're aware that Medicare has been in the news as an element of B the Biden administration's Build Back Better plan. Um, can you tell us what we should know about the proposed changes to Medicare, and, and are these realistically going to happen? That's a great question. You know, maybe before we dive into the details, I think that Medicare reform is talked about a lot. So let's talk about the three flavors of Medicare reform. One is um, expanding eligibility for Medicare. Um, and so this was talked about a lot in the recent presidential um, election about, you know, should Medicare be offered to all people? Should the eligibility age be lowered to 60 or 55 or lower? And that's exactly what it sounds like. It, it, you know, should people at a younger age have the option to sign up for original Medicare? Um, and th that would basically expand the number of people on Medicare. And for everyone who enrolled in Medicare would be coming off their private individual insurance or presumably their employer insurance. Flavor two is expanding the scope of services that's covered by Medicare. And this has been what's been discussed, uh, or I should say one of the two items that's been discussed frequently in the Build Back Better piece of legislation. Um, and this is like, should original Medicare, part A and part B, have a dental, a vision, a hearing, or other benefits that are important? The more recent versions of the legislation, it looked like there may be some legs about including some types of dental coverage in the plan, but this is changing by the week. So by the time you know this episode comes out, that could be not true. Other um, sort of broader services could be back in, but but that was the latest there. And then the, the, the third flavor of reform is actually around prescription drugs. And typically the headline there is letting Medicare negotiate with private insurance companies 
um, for prescription drug coverage, um, which is interesting because if you think about original Medicare, part A and B, it, Medicare sets the rates. They tell hospitals and providers, if you want to accept Medicare, here's, here's what you have. Interestingly, it's a little bit different on the prescription drug side. Um, and negotiating with prescription drug companies sounds like a pretty good idea. Um, the counter argument that, that maybe it doesn't sound like a good idea against is the impacts that that may have on the innovation incentives for typically American pharmaceutical companies. Um, but as with everything, the devil's sort of in the details there. Being able to negotiate with a generics manufacturer is probably different about negotiating with a drug company who has a medication that's been on the market for several years versus one that's very new in its patent life cycle. And um, last I saw, um, a, a lot of the original proposals around allowing Medicare to negotiate with prescription drug companies had been watered down. Um, they may be eliminated. Um, so uh, yeah, I think those are typically the three flavors. With Build Back Better, I, I think we may see some expansions in the types of services that original Medicare doesn't cover. Dental looks like a good candidate now, and we'll see. And we may see a little bit of movement on prescription drugs. There are a lot of people who want to see a lot more movement, but I, I just don't think we're far enough into the process to, to know exactly where that's going to land. Thanks so much, Corey. We really uh, appreciate you spending so much time with us. And um, again, I feel like Dan and I just learned like years of knowledge about Medicare. So thank you. Where can our listeners go to learn more about Medicare? And where can we send our patients when they need more advice on what to do for high quality Medicare? It's a great question. Uh, three main types of resources. First, there's incredible information that wonderful nonprofits make available um, to obviously our AARP and the National Council on Aging, which, with which, full disclosure, we have a partnership. And they have great information on how and when to sign up for Medicare, what is Part A, what is Part B, and so forth. The second bucket is most states fund state health insurance assistance programs, abbreviated as SHIPS. These are typically staffed by nonprofit volunteers who are very knowledgeable about original Medicare. One challenge, though, is that they frequently can't discuss very much about the details of particular plans for people who are looking to fill gaps and benefits in the types of costs or services that they'd like to have covered, at least in part, that original Medicare doesn't. And so in those examples, that's really when brokers or agents or advisors like chapter come into place. Um, we receive referrals from physicians, from financial advisors, from social service organizations all of the time. Um, people can learn more on our website at askchapter.org, um, or they can call our team of licensed advisors at 855-900-2427. But I think, you know, people don't, need to use us as a broker, but I do think it's important that when people consider using a broker, they ask a few questions to anyone they consider working with. First is, do you search every plan in your area? And that's an easy question to lie on and say yes. And so the follow-up question is, well, how many plans are there of every type in this county, right? And, you know, that's a good way to sort of understand it. And then the second follow-up question I always recommend that people ask is, how many times in the past two months have you recommended a plan to someone that doesn't pay you any commissions at all, um, because that's the true litmus test on whether or not the interest of the patient or the beneficiary are being put before those of the broker. And if someone looks at you and says, we can't do that, why would we do that, right? Um, it's a good reason to pause. That's great advice. It, it sounds like you're doing a hell of a lot to help folks navigate the maze of Medicare enrollment. You know, this is a show for medical trainees. And uh, I, I think that you are trying to make healthcare a little bit more inclusive um, for our seniors. What what advice do you have for, for our listeners who are trying to do the same thing? I think that just continuing to view not just clinical care, 
but guidance on the broader determinants and influencers of health, including health coverage, realizing that while it is not equally individualized, having a more tailored approach can have a huge impact on someone's health and access to care and social services um, is, is tremendous. Um, and while you know, not everyone can be a doctor, it would be amazing if more people in the healthcare ecosystem sort of operated under similar sets of ethical principles. So a uh, huge thank you to all of the physicians and particularly early career physicians um, who are doing so much to serve vulnerable populations now. Well, if anything, we've learned that we need to cover more topics in Medicare. So uh, until the next episode, Isabel, is that a wrap? That's a wrap, Dan. Thanks for listening to another episode of Well-Rounded. Well-Rounded is made by Isabel Rosenthal, Dan Arteaga, and Lauren Tronic. Sound engineering is by Tommy Bazarian. And our theme music is by R.O. Shapiro and Micah Motenko. For more episodes and information, visit wellroundedmed.com and be sure to follow us at Well-Rounded Med on Twitter and Instagram. Thanks, y'all. 